and welcome to Financial Practice Made Perfect, a podcast of independent financial brokers of Canada. I'm Nancy Allen, Executive Director of IFB, and I'm joined today by Susan Alamang, IFB's Director of Policy and Regulatory Affairs. Susan, as you know, most IFB members are dual licensed for life and mutual funds, and of course, they're all independent financial advisors, typically working alone or in a small office. So for them, keeping on top of all their regulatory requirements is a big and growing challenge. On top of that, most advisors are licensed in more than one province, and often the rules vary from one province to next. So if you're an advisor operating in this environment, it's easy to see how you could inadvertently find yourself struggling to keep up with it all. So let's break it down. What's the top issue for financial advisors right now? So I would say that um, it's really all about compliance with regulatory requirements and having proof that your practice is compliant is certainly at the forefront. Regulators, companies, dealers, MGAs are all auditing advisor files and they're looking for specific proof of compliance. So they're looking for things like the required written disclosure to clients, which includes potential conflicts of interest, a written needs assessment, or KYCs for on the, on the security side. You need proof that the recommendations and advice provided to clients is suitable and appropriate. You need written policy Uh, privacy policies and procedures, um, proof that you're following the CASEL email restrictions and the do not call, um, that your E&O is up to date and appropriate for the range and type of products that you sell, and that you are compliant with the um, anti-money laundering um, requirements under the FinTrack guidelines and that you understand your responsibilities to detect and deter money laundering. And last, um, your CE. Have you accumulated the proper number of continuing education credits to renew your license and do you have proof of those credits? So um, in short, you need proof that all of your procedures are compliant. Oversight of advisors in their market conduct are priorities for regulators, insurance companies, mutual fund dealers, and MGAs to ensure that there's a fair marketplace for consumers. Regulators expect MGAs, dealers, and companies to have systems to flag suspicious trends in advisor transactions. These would include churning, inappropriate replacement of life insurance policies, inappropriate leveraging strategies, and that the um, advice provided to clients is appropriate and suitable and is particularly in the case where your clients may be seniors or vulnerable. As well, we're seeing regulators are collaborating to share information on um, high-risk individuals and companies to a much greater extent. We see agreements between securities and insurance regulators and public databases where consumers can find disciplinary history of firms and individual advisors. So one of the things you mentioned there was E&O, and I think uh, it's important to mention that this seems to be something that particularly the life insurance regulators are really starting to focus on. We're seeing, for example, in Manitoba, they are taking quite a... Uh, a serious look at advisors E&O we're finding now that they're looking at the date that someone applied for their renewal coverage and if there's a gap of even a couple of days they will consider that a material misrepresentation on your renewal if you say that you have your E&O in place and you have a gap like that on your coverage so so that's something that advisors really need to be aware of that those are the kinds of things that regulators are really 
starting to crack down on in a very serious way. So you mentioned about the regulators collaborating and sharing information. I think it all speaks to a growing interconnectedness of securities and insurance regulators. So I think that the recent CCIR consultation on SEG funds really highlights this. So can you talk a bit about that consultation? Sure. So this consultation was put out by the CCIR, um, which is the Canadian Council of Insurance Regulators, and they looked at whether there are gaps in um, uh, segregated funds uh, and whether they should have disclosure requirements similar to what is being required for mutual funds under um, CRM2, which requires enhanced performance and fee reporting for for investors in in, uh, mutual funds. So they were looking at whether there's gaps in the regulatory frameworks um, and in, in, uh, for IFB, um, we, we examined the report and we reached out to our members and asked for their input. And while the majority of members agreed with the goal of increased transparency for segregated fund investors, they emphasized that mutual funds and segregated funds are not interchangeable products. And in the end, the focus should be on achieving a similar outcome for the investor of either product, not necessarily bringing all the details into complete alignment. We got quite a a good response to that uh, member survey, as I recall. But I think about 100 members. Yes, we got over 100, yeah. And um, it was quite a difficult survey because we basically provided them with the uh, open-ended questions that the CCIR had into their paper and uh, in some cases members spent well over an hour preparing their their um, responses so we we're very happy with that well and it really indicates that a lot of people feel very strongly about the issue too so that's all the time we have for today but I'm happy to report that Susan will be back for our next episode of financial practice made perfect and we'll continue our discussion about the challenges facing independent advisors You can make sure you never miss an episode of this podcast by subscribing on iTunes or SoundCloud, and you can catch up on past episodes on either of those platforms or by visiting our website at www.ifbc.ca. I'm Nancy Allen. Thanks for listening.